52. If you want to turn to Isaiah in chapter 52 this morning. Kick off our missions month. Of course, today, uh, this afternoon, we'll be meeting, or this evening, we'll be meeting at the Smith's House in Georgetown uh, for dinner and fireworks and fellowship. If you need directions or an address to plug into your GPS, just talk to Tyler or Sarah, and they can get that for you. If you forget to talk to them, you get ready to leave tonight and go, I don't know where I'm going, feel free to shoot us a message. We can help you out as well. But looking forward to that time. Make sure you bring a lawn chair or a chair of some sort to sit in. Uh, and then if you signed up to bring some food, bring that. If you didn't sign up to bring some food, you want to, I assume it's still available somewhere. Uh, you can talk to Sarah about that as well. Um, feel free to donate to, to go towards the cost of the fireworks as well if you'd like to. Uh, we're in Isaiah 52. And we're going to look at a couple, basically three main passages. I guess Isaiah 52, Isaiah 53, and then we're going to look in Romans later as well. Um, but I want us to kind of start off, kick off our missions month with this thought. Call, tell, send. Uh, call, tell, send. And, uh, and so I want us to kind of see what we're looking at here. In Isaiah 52, if you read with me here, uh, starting in verse number 13, it says, Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. As many were astonied at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man, and his form more than any, uh, the sons, more than the sons of men. So shall he sprinkle many nations. The kings shall shut their mouths at him, for that which had not been told them shall they see, and that which they had not heard shall they consider. Who hath believed our report, verse 1 of chapter 53, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for again allowing us to come this morning. And, and, and again, as we look at the independence of our nation, to be able to look at the freedoms that we have and, and what a blessing it is to come and to be able to preach your word openly and to not have any fear of consequence. And Lord, I pray that today as we sit freely and listen to your word, I pray that we would hear it and that we would receive it. Lord, I pray that you speak to us today, grow our hearts for missions. Lord, I pray that you help me as I present this, that I would do it clearly and correctly. And Lord, we just pray for you to pour out your blessing on us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Here we enter into Missions Month, and when we get into Missions Month, we always kind of have two main focuses uh, as we, as we kind of settle in for the next several weeks. One is always to go, right? It's to go and, and tell. It's to... Uh, share the gospel is the command that God has given us to do, not just here, but throughout the world. And so uh, as we pray and seek God's desire for our lives, we know that he desires us to go, whether it be just go across the street or whether it means to go across the ocean, uh, we are called to go. The other one is to give, uh, to send, to give so that others can go. Those that are going to go to places that God has not called us to Specifically, individually, we help others get to those places. And so when we look at missions, that's kind of our main focus. Now, again, here at the church, we do what we call faith promise missions or grace giving. Some would call it all the same thing. The idea behind it is we pray and we say, God, what would you have me to give uh, individually? What would you have me to give to missions to help send people? Uh, and then in doing so, God tells us what he'd have us to give, 
and we commit to it. And we say, by faith, I'm going to give what God has told me to give to help to send people across the world. And that is our main uh, emphasis of giving when it comes to our church. That's how we set our missions budget is through the commitments that come in in August uh, to go towards the rest of our giving throughout the rest of the year. So I believe that this passage, Isaiah 52, the last couple verses, and Isaiah 53, lead us into really helping us understand missions uh, to some degree. And so I want us to look at that today. We see, first of all, in verse number 1 of chapter 53, that the report is given. He says there in verse number 1, Who hath believed our report? Meaning the report has been given, and who has believed it? We have to understand that in missions, our number one job is to give the report. We sometimes focus about um, numbers. We look at who has received the gospel. And we'll hear people report on people who've been saved. And, and, and we love to report on that too. It's a wonderful thing. But our main focus, our main job that God has given us is to give the report. It's to share the gospel. It's to tell people what God has done for them. And so when we come to this point or to this understanding that it is our job to give the report, to share the gospel with other people, to tell them what God has done for me, and to tell them what God has done for them. Yes, we can rejoice over who receives the report, who gets saved. Yes, we want to rejoice over that. But to understand it, first and foremost, my job is to share the gospel to share the gospel. Uh, why? Very simply, because God tells me to. <laughs> uh, it's, the, it's the easiest way to go, and, and, and we'll get to that here in just a second, but the idea of, of getting in my mind, my job is not to save people, my job is to share the gospel. My job is not to convince people, my job is to share the gospel. My job is not to coerce people, my job is to share the gospel. And a lot of times we can get caught up on the results of the gospel versus actually reporting the gospel. And we come to verse 1 of chapter 53, actually in verse number uh, uh, 14 of the, of the previous passage, it says that uh, many were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred, more than any man in his form, more than sons of man. And it says, so shall he sprinkle many nations. And we'll talk about what Christ did here in just a moment. But the sprinkling many nations showing that it's not just the Jews for the Old Testament. The Jews are the focus, is it not? But he's saying that when Christ comes, and when Christ dies, and when God, Christ rises from the dead, it is for all. It is for all nations. It's not just for the Jews, it's for the Gentiles. And he talks about the idea of getting the gospel to more than the Jews. And that the report will go out. And he asked the question in verse 1, who hath believed our report? But you have to understand that before you can ask the question of who has believed it, the report has to go out. And that is our primary focus, to give the report. Number two, we need to understand that the world is our goal. The world is our goal. As it says there in verse 15, so shall he sprinkle many nations. Um, we understand that in Mark 16, the Great Commission is worded this way, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. 
There is not a whole lot of room for speculation in that verse. There's not a whole lot of room for questioning who should I share the gospel with in that verse. For the Bible says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. In Matthew, the Great Commission is worded this way. It starts off with, in verse 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Again, there's not a whole lot of wiggle room there. There's not a whole lot of, of, of deciding who is, is eligible for us to share the gospel with. There is not a room there for you to be racist. There is not room there for you to be selective. There is not room there for you to make a decision on who is worthy of the gospel. For the Bible says, go into all the world, teach all nations. In John 3, the most familiar verse in the Bible, the God says, for God so loved the world. There's no room for you to be selective. The world is our goal. Not only is it our goal, the world is our command. God says, go ye therefore into all the world. God says, preach the gospel to every creature. God says, teach all nations. God says to, to go to those whom I love and preach the gospel. The reason why is because of what verse 15 says. He sprinkled, shall sprinkle many nations. Sprinkle with what? His blood. To understand the magnitude of the Great Commission, to understand that the world is waiting, that God has said, go and share the gospel. Now, again, individually, I cannot personally share the gospel with every person. It's, it's impossible. But I can have a part in making sure the gospel gets to every person. We heard on the video this morning from the Overtons of two different people groups, two different tongues, two different languages that do not have a written translation of God's Word. Now, there are actually thousands of them. But we know of a couple in India, James and Tori Overton, that are training young people uh, to how to translate scripture so that they can find these people groups, these groups, in some cases, their own language, so that they can translate God's word into their language so that their friends, so that their neighbors, so that their family members can finally have a copy of God's Word. If we can understand that there are people, and not just people, there are millions of people in the world today who not only have never seen a Bible, they literally do not have a Bible in their language. That is included now in our great commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We've got to get them the gospel. They've got to have it. It's great that we can go over there and speak English, but let's face it, there are, there are, there are nations, there are tribes, there are languages, 
you walk into their village and you share the gospel in English, they're not going to know it at all what you're saying. And you can't even hand them a Bible right now because there's not one that they can read. That's the Great Commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We've got to get the gospel in their hands. So we support the Obertons who have a part in Bible translation to get the gospel to every creature. To teach all nations. We support missionaries in other countries that are there preaching in those languages. That are there sharing the gospel. That are there doing their part to get the gospel to every creature, to every nation. We support church planning ministry to help churches get started, not just here in America, but in other countries as well. To get the gospel to every creature. We support Sarah in the prison ministries because there are people in the prisons. And we're commanded to preach and to teach and to get the gospel to every creature. That's what missions is about. The world is our goal. Every person is our goal to get the gospel in the hands, to get the gospel in the ears of every person that lives on this earth. And that is a magnificent task. The only way to accomplish a task is to get active. So many Christians today will sit in church and they'll listen to the Bible preached and they'll go home. And they won't for one second consider the task at hand. They won't for one second, invest into the task at hand. They won't for a moment let their minds go to a, a people group who have never heard God's word. To millions of people who are on their way to hell and have yet to hear the gospel. amazing to think of the, the amounts of people that need God's word, that, that have heard it maybe once or have never heard it. There are people that are trying hard, working hard on a daily basis to do their part. What are we doing? We get stingy with our money and, and I appreciate a good budget. We'll be doing our budget planning for the church here very soon. I appreciate a good budget. We've got to follow our budget, right? It's the wise thing to do. We are really stingy with our money. We work hard for it. I understand that. We've got needs. We have uh, uh, families. We have different things that we have to take care of. I understand that. Uh, who cares what I understand? God understands that. But understand that your luxury might be withholding the gospel. It might be putting handcuffs on the gospel. It might be limiting the gospel. Now listen, I, I think you've been here long enough <coughs> to understand We want you to do what God wants you to do. 
when we do our missions giving, when we understand the task that is at hand, that we have to give the report, and that the world is our goal, we just have to pray and say, God, what do you want me to do? I'm not asking you to cut a check for a million dollars, although that would be awesome. I'm asking you to pray. We're not a fundraising church. We're a Bible following church. So when you're in our missions giving, and we're not asking you to give this exorbitant amount of money so that everybody can pat you on the back and applaud and say, boy, aren't you great. As a matter of fact, we don't know who's committing what. We just know the amount. And all that we ask from you is to pray and say, God, what do you want me to do for the cause of missions? And when God answers you, all we're asking is that you do it. That you obey what God tells you to do. And I'll say this many times over the next month. If it's $5 a month, it's $300 a month, it's $1,000 a month, whatever it is, if it's what God told you to do, God will take it and he will bless it and he will uh, multiply it and he will use it to help us accomplish the Great Commission. And what God tells you to do, you may look at it and go, that's not very much. God doesn't need you. We see the report is given. We see the world's our goal number three. We also need to understand the majority will reject. That's painful. But he says there in verse number one of chapter 53, Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? We see the understanding, and, and we see it in other parts of Scripture, but just because we share the report, just because we give the gospel, doesn't mean that everyone is going to receive it. As a matter of fact, if you've been faithful with the gospel, you already know this. I remember as a 13-year-old, uh, our youth group put a big emphasis on sharing the gospel. And our youth pastor trained us and, and taught us how to present the gospel, how to lead someone to the Lord. And we had a big youth event. Uh, White Wall Wednesday, we tried to pack out the auditorium at the church, 100 teenagers Goal. We got 100 teenagers, the youth pastor would shave his head. Uh, and so we uh, invited, he was already bald. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, we, we invited, and everybody was working to get teenagers there, and, and uh, I believe it was 102 was the final count at the end of the day. And the youth pastor shaved his head and all that good stuff. It was fun. But I remember because of this. Because uh, our youth pastor had worked with us and trained us, and he gave the invitation after preaching a gospel message, and people came forward. And I, being the super spiritual kid that I was, when heads bowed out and eyes closed, was looking. And the kid came forward and uh, during the invitation, and my youth pastor met him there at the front, and he started looking around, and he made eye contact with me because I was looking. And he said, so I stepped out, and I walked up to the front, 
And, uh, and he said, Vince, uh, he wants to be saved. Can you go, can you go take him over there and share, share the gospel with him? So they walked around the corner and went through all the stuff that basically you, Patrick, just preached about. The Romans Road we've talked about it before. Um, make sure that, that you comprehend, right, all are, all are sinners. Uh, we all deserve hell. But Jesus gave a gift of his life. And he rose again from the dead. And he offers salvation. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you want to do that? He said, yes. I said, great. We prayed. He prayed. He asked the Lord to save him. I thought, this is awesome. This is a lot of fun. This is really neat. So then we go out and knock on doors. Hi, I'm Vince. Calvary Baptist Church. I'm here to ask you, if you were to die today, you know for sure that you'd go to heaven. An hour later, after doing that many times, no one got saved. not as much fun. It's not exciting. Um, and what I learned then, I still understand today. My job is to give the gospel. And I have to be prepared for the fact that not everyone's going to receive it. And the reason why I say you have to be prepared for that is because if you're not, you get very discouraged. And you'll stop sharing the gospel. So it won't take long if you're faithful in sharing the gospel and you get rejected. Now, I believe the Lord will answer prayers, and I believe that you'll see people saved if you're faithful to share the gospel. But, but you'll go through so much rejection that pretty soon you'll go, you know what? This is no fun. And you'll be discouraged. You'll say, well, no one's getting saved. I must be doing something wrong. And you'll begin to figure out, try to figure out what you're doing wrong. And then you'll go through different things and, and try different things and whatever it may be. But you have to understand that, again, your job is very simple. It's to give. Give the gospel. But have it in your heart. Have an understanding. Realize you are going to see rejection. Sometimes very hateful rejection. Uh, in my experience in Kentucky, it's been rather kind rejection for the most part. There is the occasional very mean person, but uh, overall people have been very kind. But you're going to face a lot of rejection. But I want us to understand that even though the majority are going to reject, the Savior still made a way. And we come to this passage in Isaiah 53. It is one of my favorite chapters in Scripture. Look with me, if you will, in verse number 2. For he, Jesus, shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes 
we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is uh, brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shears is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence. Neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great. And he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and he made intercession for the transgressors. Back in verse number four, listen to these important words. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Look at verse number five. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. When we come to the gospel, we understand this fact that, that Christ made a way. He made a way for our sins to be forgiven. He bore our griefs and our sorrows. He was wounded for our transgressions. Bruised for our iniquities. Chastised, punished by his stripes we are healed. To understand that Christ made a way. Everything that he did on the cross, everything he did leading up to the cross, everything he did after the cross was with me in mind. And sometimes we get discouraged by the, uh, the majority being wicked. We can be discouraged by the majority rejecting Christ. But understand, Christ made a way. And that way is, is defined for us in the gospel. And our job is to share the gospel to all. Not only did the Savior make a way, the Savior submitted. This is not easy because when, when we come to uh, uh, the gospel, when we come to the Bible and we read it and God tells us to do things and we say, well, I don't want to or that's too hard or I don't know how or all these different things, all God is asking us to do is submit to his authority, obey him. And the Savior not only made a way, not only uh, gave his life, not only died, not only rose again from the dead, but we have to understand that in doing so, he was submitted to his authority. 
verse number 10 of Isaiah 53, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. You understand that the Father, now, now again, I know this is going to get into complicated territory here, but we believe God to be a Godhead, three in one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So Jesus Christ came to this earth submissive to God the Father. And we read through Isaiah 53 all that Christ would do and the, the suffering and the beating and the, uh, the, the going willingly as, as, as it says there a sheep before his shears is dumb so he opened not his mouth. And it says with all of this he made a grave with the wicked. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief Well, now shall make his soul an offering for sin. You see, Christ was submissive. The Bible says he was obedient to death, even the death of the cross. So what's your excuse? When you get the missions, it's, it's always... This mindset, not always, I should say that, maybe not for everybody, but in most, there's the mindset when we're giving above what we normally give. Right, so, so we have our, our tithe that we give on a regular basis. Uh, that's just giving back toward what's his already, but uh, we give a small percentage back, whatever again, whatever God tells you to give, give. And so we give that on a regular basis, but then we come to missions, and missions is above that tithe, above that uh, that regular giving. And again, the way we have it set up here, it's by faith. So we ask God um, what he wants us to give. And specifically, I <coughs> and many ask God to, to allow us to give what only he can provide. So it's not what I look at. It's not, it's not, I don't look at the budget and say, okay, I can afford to give $20 a month. That's not, that's not faith giving. That's practical giving. That's I can see what I can afford to give, so I give it. Faith giving is God. What do you want me to give? And God gives you the answer. And then you add that into your life. You say, okay, but God, in order for me to give that, I need you to provide it. And God says, hello. I'm God. That's not a problem. And God provides it. And you give it. Sometimes God will say, give it. And you'll say, I don't have it. And God says, give it. And you say, God, I don't have it. And God says, give it. And you say, God, I don't think you understand. He was obedient to death, even the death of the cross. And you'll be obedient to give what God is Say, well, what happens if he doesn't provide it? You're telling me that the God who died and rose again three days later is not capable of providing you a couple dollars. You say, well, it's not a couple of dollars. It might be to you, preacher, but it's not to me. And by the way, it's a couple of dollars to me. But uh, uh, I get it. I promise. I understand it. 
But if God says give it, I'm telling you, you got to give it. Be obedient. Be submissive to what God tells you to do and give. We ask, we ask to increase every year. Our family, me and my wife have been doing uh, missions giving for 16, 17 years. And, and, and we increase every year. So if you start at $1 and you increase it by a dollar a year, then we're only up to $17. So that's not too bad. God has always provided. Yeah, we've been tight. Yeah, there's been times that it's been scary. But when we obey, God provides. And sometimes it takes that step of obedience, that step of faith, to go ahead and give even when you don't see or know how God's going to provide. But God will provide. Christ was submissive. Christ was obedient to die on the cross to be nailed, literally nailed to wood, beaten, mistreated, surely you can be obedient to give what God asks you to give. Lastly, this morning, I want us to see the Savior was a substitute. In verse number 12, uh, uh, it says there, Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul on the death, and was numbered with the transgressors. And he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. He's a substitute. He takes your place. Would you start with me to Romans chapter 10, and we'll close in this passage. Romans chapter 10. Understand that Christ, He has done for you what you, you're, you should be responsible for. He, he's taken your place. So you're a sinner. Because you're a sinner, you deserve hell. And Christ, because He loved you, died for you. And when He died, He took your sin. And he said, I'll take Vince's place. Now listen, I hope you understand this. This is not a story. This is, this is real. It's happening. And when God the Father went down on this earth and he said, Vince deserves hell. Jesus said, I'll take his place. And God looks down, the creator of the world looks down and he sees your life. And he says, you deserve help. Jesus said, I'll take your place. So now what? Romans 10, 13. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Paul. Have you called on Jesus? 
He died for you. He loves you. He took a beating for you. Much more than a beating. And he says, if you'll just call. The thief on the cross, right? Right next to Jesus, one of the thieves. He called on the Lord. What did God say? What did Christ say? Today. You'll be with me in paradise. The other thief said, take us off this cross. Today, that thief burns in hell. And the reality is, is, is you're, you're on one side of Christ. You're either the sinner who says, God save me. Or you're the sinner who says, make my life easy. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever doesn't goes to hell. And that sounds mean, but the reality is, is we're already headed to hell. <coughs> What's wonderful is the fact that Christ made himself a substitute for you. Have you called on Jesus? Second, tell. Verse 14. How then shall they call on him and whom, they have, uh, and whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him and whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Understand that word preacher is not pastor, it's proclaimer. How shall they hear if no one tells them? We have to call first, call on the Lord so that we can be saved. Then we have to tell other people what Christ did for me and what Christ is willing to do for them. How will they hear without a preacher, without a proclaimer? And then lastly, sin, verse number 15. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Look at verse 16. It says, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah, Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? But what's our job? Is it to make them believe? Nope. It's to tell, how shall they hear without a preacher? And it's to sin, how shall they preach except they be sent? I don't know how you feel about Germany. I have to admit, when I hear the word Germany, my first thought, even though I wasn't alive, is Germans. <laughs> I don't know why I'm so resentful against Germans, because literally, they've never done anything to me in my entire life. We support the Macrocans, Germany. How would the Germans believe whom they've not heard? How will they hear unless someone tells them? And if I'm not going, how can they be told unless someone be said? I better send somebody. Right? 
schools in South Africa. I have no plans to go to South Africa. What if I'm going to South Africa? I got no plans to go to South Africa. Well, if I'm not going to go, tell them. I better send somebody. Hence, Kate Wilkins. states it very clearly. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How can they call on them who have never heard of? And how can they hear unless somebody tell them? And how can someone tell them unless somebody sends them? And submissions. That's what we're looking at this whole moment. You've got to understand that, that there is a massive need for the gospel throughout the world. There's a massive need for the gospel here in Richmond, Kentucky, and, and, and the community around us. There's a massive need in America for the gospel. There are literally people throughout this world who've never seen the Bible in their own language. There are people in this world who cannot pull up YouTube and watch a gospel message. Or pull up a podcast and hear a gospel <coughs> message. There are people in this world who need to hear the gospel. And if you're not going, you better be willing to sin. This month, I would like us to pray about two things. I'd like us to pray about going. And I'd like us to pray about giving. As a church planter who, who, who's seen this church with just my family, just one, fa one other family or one, two other families, there's never been a day in my life where I say, I hope we have less people. But I want you to pray about building. Because if God wants you to go, I want you to go. I'm not saying leave the church. I'm saying go into the missions. Uh, you're like, you know what? I've been thinking about going somewhere else. Uh, <laughs> I want you to pray about going. And if the Lord confirms your heart that you're, you're to stay, you need to pray about giving. About sending up. And what your part will be in the Great Commission as God designed it for our church. Would you pray with me that God would allow us to give more to our current missionaries? And would you pray with me that God would allow us to support more missionaries as He gives us the right ones to support? The two that we have coming in, like I said, I love the Vances, and I would love to support them. I don't know the Joneses outside of our communication and scheduling. Them. So they may show up, and we might see them and go, oh, nope. <laughs> I don't think that'll be the case, but it's possible. We don't just bring in missionaries and support whoever comes through. We pray about them. God, would you have us to help them? 
reality is if we could support every missionary, why wouldn't we? But I'm asking you to, to be specific this year. Yes, pray about what God would have you to give. Pray about what God would have our church to do. To raise the support of our current missionaries or, or to add more missionaries or both. And I would ask you to sincerely pray about building. I don't want to lose you. I have no desire to lose you. But I think it would be wrong for us to expect other people to do what we're unwilling to do. And so would you pray about it? And I pray that this month as we hear missionaries preach, I'll preach again before the month is done, but as we hear missionaries preach, as we see their burden, and as we hear their ministry and what they're doing, and as we pray over our current missionaries and think of through the ministry that they have, may we understand that there is more needed. The labor is needed. The harvest is ready. There's no lack of souls in this world. There's a lack of people willing to give the gospel to the needy souls. So I ask God what he'd have you to do, whether it be go or give or both. May the Lord help us be a great commission-minded church. And that we will always do what God desires for us to do when it comes to missions. God, I pray for your help. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to understand just how serious the need is in this world. Sometimes we are uh, maybe blinded or maybe willfully ignorant to how good we have it in this country. We don't truly comprehend how rough it is around the world. Just just the lack of opportunity for the gospel in some places in the world. Lord, I pray that you would just put on our hearts a burden for the commission that you've given us to get the gospel to every land, to every language, to every person. And Lord, I pray that you would help this morning. If there's anyone here this morning who has never called on you, I pray that this morning they would. Lord, I pray that if you've worked in our lives about the need to share the gospel more, I pray that you'd give us boldness to do so. And Lord, I pray that you would even now be working in our hearts about sending what we can do, what you would have us to give, so that we can assist as others go throughout the different parts of this world. And Lord, may we be faithful in the place that you called us to. Right here, Lord, every day we see Many at work have co-workers. We all have neighbors. Several have uh, lost family members. God, may we be faithful to give the gospel. May we be faithful to give uh, what you've blessed us with and what you will bless us with to send others. And Lord, I just pray that you would establish or grow the burden of this church for missions. And we ask it in Jesus' name. If you have your eyes closed, I'd like to.